Welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. We are so excited to have you with us. We hope this message will encourage and inspire you to walk out your God-given vision. Now here's today's message. When you start on your Christian journey, what's the first thing that you do? You make Jesus the Lord of your life, right? You pray to receive him. You ask him into your heart. He becomes the Lord of your life. And then, you know, a lot of people go on to be water baptized, you know, and it can be in multiple places, in a swimming pool, at a church, it can be in a lake, it can be in, uh, even in the Dead Sea. I hear they do baptisms in the Dead Sea. It doesn't sound like they stay down very long, but they kind of pop back up. But, and so, so you get baptized, and what's the significance of baptism? It's that that old man is dying, right? That old man is now dead, and now I've come into new life. Everything is made new. But then there's also a third baptism, okay? There's a baptism in blood, salvation. There's a baptism in water, and that's, you know, what we just talked about. But then there's a baptism in spirit. So today, I want to talk to you about something that, I want to talk to you about the God that we don't hear much about anymore, and that's the Holy Spirit. How many of you are ready? Are you? Hey, I don't, th- I don't know that you're ready for this. You don't sound very ready. All right, well, let me, let me tell you a couple jokes, and then we'll get started, okay? Because I heard these, and we took Nicole to uh, Branson for her birthday, and we always enjoy Branson. It's her happy place, and so we had a wonderful time there, but on the way there, Zach, I guess, was getting a little bored. He was flipping through uh, some of his Instagrams, and he came up with some of these jokes. How many of you have heard some Chuck Norris jokes? Oh, good. All right. Well, I'm, I'm only going to do a few, okay? This is only about four or five here. Okay, so when Chuck Loris, when he left for college, he said, Dad, you're now the man of the house. <laughs> Death once had a near Chuck Norris experience. <laughs> you know, I, man, there's a message in that. I was just going, man, that's a great message because that's the way the enemy should feel about you. I just had a near Phil Johnson experience. Hold on. I like the sound of that. Put your own name in there, okay? Insert your name. So when the boogeyman goes to sleep, every night he checks his closet for guess who? Chuck Norris. Yeah. Chuck Norris doesn't dial the wrong number. You pick up the wrong phone. Yeah. And then the last one, a bulletproof vest. Where's Chuck Norris for protection? All right. That was my personal favorite. All right, so with that in mind, because I kind of needed to get you laughing, not that we're going to get into sad stuff or or mad stuff, but we're going to get into some more serious stuff here. Turn over to Acts chapter 1, the book of Acts chapter 1, and I'm going to read to you out of verse 4, beginning in verse 4, and it says this, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized you with water. We talked about water baptism. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit after not so many days from now. Okay, then look down at verse 12. So, the, so here's... The disciples, the disciples obey Jesus, they come, and now they're in the upper room, and it says in verse 12 that they return to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, about a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, 
they went up into the upper room, <coughs> excuse me, where they, were, where they were staying, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, uh, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all continued, now pay attention to this verse, verse 14. These all continued with one accord, which means, fancy way of saying unity, they were in unity, in agreement, in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Jesus' brothers. So here they are in the upper room, but they're all in unity and prayer. That's the two things I want you to remember about that verse. They were in unity and they were in prayer, right? All right. So now Acts chapter 2, look at verse 1. It's just right there in the next chapter. It says, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Some people get a little scared by the word Pentecost for some reason. Maybe they associate it with Pentecostal. And they think of, you know, people dancing on the, on the backs of pews and, and people being slain in the spirit and stuff. The word Pentecost simply means 50th. The number 50 and then a TH afterwards. 50th. This is the 50th day after Passover. So when, the, when this day, when Pentecost had fully come, so there's nothing to be afraid of that word for, okay, that's all I'm saying, is that when this day had fully come, that there they all, they were all gathered in one accord, in one place, what were they doing again? They were praying, and they were in unity, thank you. Okay, so, and then, so suddenly, there was a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind. So the sound sounded like a rushing mighty wind, okay? The drapes weren't blowing off of the deals and things breaking. It, it said it was a sound. So here this sound happens, rushing mighty wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and then appeared divided tongues of fire, on, and it sat on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's more. Okay, there's more. One more drink here. <clears throat> Whoever provides the water, thank you. I just want to say thank you. All right, so here's what I want to say about this. One of the reasons that I feel that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not talked about very much these days is because of the emphasis on speaking in tongues. How many of you would agree with that? Oh, good. Got several of you that agree with that. And the devil, what he's done is he has used this to scare people. And what I believe is his demonic strategy is, is if I can get people to focus on this one gift in particular, then I can scare them away from wanting anything to do with the Holy Spirit. What he, what he tries to do is to convince people that this is spooky, weird, goofy, um, mystical. It's, it's, you know, it's wild. And it's caused many churches, many Christians to back away from the Holy Spirit. And what we're doing is we're missing this one gift. We're putting the emphasis on this one gift. And then we're overlooking the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I say it that way? All right. You guys are with me, right? All right. So, but, so because of that, I believe that some people have begun to say, you know what? That was for the disciples. That happened, you know, for the disciples. That was just a special moment. And tongues is not really for today. 
Well, but if you go and you look at all of the revivals that have taken place, you look at the, the Welsh revival in Wales, you look at Toronto, you look at Brownsville, you look at Azusa Street, my word, Azusa Street, you know, and what happened. The main ingredient that you're going to see is you're going to see people that are gathered in unity, that are praying and seeking God, and you'll see them get filled with the Spirit, and all of a sudden they get, begin to speak in other tongues. That's what happened at Azusa Street. Azusa Street actually didn't start at Azusa. It was on, it was on another street in, Calif in Los Angeles, California called Bonnie Bray Street. And it was a group of people. Some of them had been to the Welsh revival. And they were praying that this would come to America. And so they were praying, you know, in this house. And then what happened was suddenly they got filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in tongues. Huh. That sounds a lot like what happened here in the book of Acts. So if that was only for the book of Acts, why is that happening in all these other places? Huh? Well, Phil, it just seems weird to me. Well, here's what I've discovered. The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are. People are. I mean, they're the ones, you know, you, you interject a human, and humans don't know what to do with the Spirit of God. So we do crazy things. Remember Peter? God, you know, remember when he saw Jesus and he saw Moses and he saw Elijah? Hey, let's build, let me build tabernacles. Why? Jesus is going home. Moses already lives home. Elijah does too. So, I mean, what are the tabernacles for? You know, he just, he just wanted to do something. That was the human element of a very supernatural experience, right? Okay, you guys are with me. So, oh, let me finish Azusa. So, <clears throat> what happened in Azusa Street was it, people began to come from all over the world. They found out what was happening in this little home, and the, and the police came and said, listen, you guys can't, you got to find a place to do this. You can't be doing this in your home. You're blocking traffic, and your neighbors are complaining. And so they rented a building on Azusa Street, and then God kept, it kept going, and it kept going. And so when, when people were having this same experience that we're talking about, where they were praying, they were seeking God, and then all of a sudden they were filled with the Spirit, and they would begin to speak in other tongues. And when they would have that experience, the, the people that, that were running this whole thing, um, uh, Azusa Street, they began to search the Scriptures and find out what, you know, what is this? And as they searched the Scriptures, what they discovered was it seemed to them that... Um, people that get filled with the Spirit, one of the initial signs that they've been filled with the Spirit is they begin to speak in other tongues. This seems to be the experience that they have when they get filled with the Spirit. And so they agreed with that. Well, then a debate rose up over that word experience. People didn't like that word experience, and so they wanted them to change it to the word evidence. And so they did. They changed it to the word evidence because you read the Bible, you can't find the word evidence specifically in the Bible uh, in speaking other tongues. One thing I don't like about that word is, you know, I had a young girl, a young girl, she's older than me, sorry, but she's young. Uh, this young lady called me and she said, she's crying over the phone. And I said, what's wrong? And she said, well, I went to this church. She went to a dynamic church. I know the church where she went. And she said, I went down front and they invited you to receive the Holy Spirit and so I went down front and I prayed to receive the Holy Spirit. And the lady next to me started speaking in tongues. This person back here started speaking in tongues. But nothing happened to me. 
Say there's more. And I said, I said, well, let me ask you a question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? Did you pray and receive the Holy Spirit? She said, I did. I said, it's okay. Then you've received him. I mean, tongues will manifest. If you want that in your life, it'll manifest. Just hang in there. Stick with it. Don't give up. You know, you've received the Holy Spirit. And because she was crying. And that's the one thing I don't like about the word evidence because it's like, you don't have the Holy Spirit if you're not speaking in other tongues. Now, wait a minute. She had received, but she had, it had not manifest yet for her. Okay? All right. See, I told you I was going to get into some stuff because you're not laughing now. <laughs> but I'm not really telling jokes either. So, anyway. Okay. So, in each revival, people experience this infilling. What was the evidence? They spoke in tongues. So, I want to give you reasons why I think the Holy Spirit is important. The infilling of the Holy Spirit is important. Okay? I'm going to give you some reasons. Okay? Here's, here's a good reason. I loved what Charles Spurgeon said. He said this. He said, without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. My, my, my. That's a great phrase. We can do nothing. He said, we are ships without wind, branches without sap, coal without fire. We are useless. Huh. Now, now, with that in mind, turn back over to Acts chapter 1. Let's read verse 8. Am I moving too fast or we're going to good speed? Okay. All right. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. It says this. But I promise you this. The Holy Spirit will come. I'm reading to you out of the Passion Translation, by the way. I promise you this. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And you will be filled with power. And you will be my messengers to Jerusalem, throughout Judea, the distant provinces, even the remotest places on the earth. So, the first thing I want you to notice about that verse is he says, first, you will receive what? Power. You will receive power. So notice this, that power didn't come until the Holy Spirit came. Let me show you some examples of that because I, I want to show you this. I, I remember when, when, we, when I was a teenager, we lived in a house in Tulsa right off of Lewis Avenue. And our backyard was pretty big and it didn't have a fence. So my dad put up an electrical fence all the way around the backyard. And so all, all of my guy friends came over the, one, one day. And so we all decided, you know what I'm, where I'm getting ready to go probably with this. We all stood in a row and we touched fingers and somebody touched the fence. And I got to tell you, I felt the power. <laughs> it, it came rocking through, oh my word. So, and that's what the Holy Spirit does, not in that way. He doesn't shock you, although some of you might be shocked that I'm even talking about this right now. The Holy Spirit empowers us. That word empowers means this. Give someone the authority or power to do something. Now, let me give you a few examples. You remember in 1 Samuel chapter 10, Samuel had his anointing oil and God showed him who the next king of Israel was going to be. The first king of Israel was going to be Saul. And he said, now, anoint Saul. So he anointed Saul. You remember? And then what happened? It goes on to say in verse 6, it says, Then the Spirit of, Lord, of the Lord came on Saul, and he was turned into a different man. Another man, it says, uh, in the king, New King James Version. So then, you remember Saul messed up, right? He, he blew it. And so he was rejected as king. And then Samuel, 
now is instructed by God to take his anointing oil and go and anoint another man. And what does he do, do in, in verse uh, 13 of chapter 16? He anoints David in front of all of his brothers, anoints him king of Israel. And, and it goes on to say that the spirit of the Lord came on David from that time forward. Now, think about it. David slew Goliath after he was anointed. He'd, all the miraculous things that David did happened after he was anointed. The oil represents the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon David. Today, the Holy Spirit fills us up. It doesn't come on us anymore because of the, because of the price that Jesus paid. Man, isn't that amazing news? So, so what about this? Even Jesus needed to be filled with the Spirit before he could do any miracles. Think about it. John the Baptist, he baptizes Jesus. Jesus comes up out of the water. And they said the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. Up to that point, the only thing we knew about Jesus was he stayed in the temple when his parents were heading back home. He didn't go home with them. That was really all we heard about Jesus and his birth and this childhood experience. Because why? He was preparing himself for those three years of ministry. And when that anointing came on him, he was anointed for the next three years. All of a sudden, miracles, signs, wonders begin to happen. Why? Because he is empowered. You and I need to be empowered to live the life that God has called us to live, right? And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit anoints us and he empowers us Uh, can I say this can I be so bold women as to say you don't need to join an empowerment movement because you have the Holy Spirit who has already empowered you and when you are empowered by the Holy Spirit you step into who you were supposed to be all along anyway and it doesn't matter what anybody else says okay all right I'm supporting go empowerment women all right so (laughs) <laughs> I heard about this guy <coughs> not about empowerment but about power I heard about this guy that went to the he went to the store, a hardware store and he wanted to buy a saw and so the salesman showed him this fancy saw and he said listen this saw is good to cut down 50 trees a day and he goes man 50 a day I'll buy it and so he buys this saw and he takes it and he three days later he brings it back and he says, I, I don't want this saw anymore. This saw's not good for 50 trees a day. It's good for three. I can only get three trees out of this saw. So his husband said, let me see the saw. He threw it up on the table. He looks at it, and there's a bunch of wood chips, you know, around the blade. And he cleans that up. He notices the chain is a little off, and he straightens that. Then he notices there's no fuel in it. So he puts fuel in the, in the chainsaw, and then he fires it up. And when that guy saw that thing fire up and saw those chains begin to move around that blade, he had a vision. 50 trees a day. He wasn't using the power. He didn't turn it on. Okay, that was just, that was, that was just an example of power, okay? It was the best I could come up with at the time. Don't crucify the messenger, would you? All right. So power, so that's the first thing that happened, right? Power. You will receive power. Power to do what? Okay, let's go back to the verse. Read it again. All right, it's in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. <clears throat> but I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be filled with power, right? 
and you will be messengers. The, the Passion Translation uses the word messengers, but the New King James Version uses the word witnesses. Witnesses. So you're, you're supposed to be empowered to be a witness. Now, how many of you have been street witnessing ever before? You've gone out and you've talked to people. Wow, awesome. Okay, and it's fun, isn't it? <coughs> yeah, so you kind of get over yourself, you know, and, and you talk to people. And back, you know, in the, in the 80s, early 80s, 70s, you know, they had the tracks, all the scary tracks, you know. Uh, I'm sorry, all the tracks, all the evangelism tracks that you would take and you'd hand to people leaving bathrooms, leaving don't leave them as a tip under all your money that you're leaving, right? And you'd hand them to people and you'd witness that way. Let, can I propose something to you? That's just one part of witnessing. And obviously that's the first thing that comes to mind. A dialogue, a conversation that you have with somebody else. But witnessing is your entire life. Your character is a witness. Can I get a witness? All right, can I get a character witness? All right, yeah. Okay, so somebody, somebody asked me to be a character witness one time, and I just said, I can't, I can't do it. I, I, anyway, never mind. I, let me get off of that. So, but your character's a, with, a witness. The way you tell the truth is a witness. The way you live daily is a witness to other people. Isn't it? The way you carry yourself the kind of conversations that you have, that's a witness. Every part of your life is a witness. So let me give you the definition of witness. It's that which furnishes evidence or proof. So you know what I'm getting ready to ask you? If you were convicted of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict? Would there be enough in there that says, this guy is born again or do you shy away from things because you don't want to be persecuted I don't want to you know I'll be praying for you you know you find out somebody's really hurting somebody really we were at, we were at Silver Dollar City and we were leaving and we what are those things we buy cinnamon rolls they have that cinnamon roll shop as you're leaving they weren't for us they were for, they were for uh, the person watching our dogs <laughs> bless her heart she, she probably deserved three boxes. We bought her one. But anyway, so we bought the cinnamon. As we're buying the cinnamon rolls, this lady is helping me, and her, and her hand is in a, not a cast, but, you know, some kind of deal, and it's keeping her thumb straight. And so I asked her, I said, what's going on with your hand? And she began to tell me, and she said, the doctors can't figure out what's going on with my hand. You know, so they, have, they put me in this thing, and, and it's got to hold my thumb straight because that's the only way I get relief. I said, well, would you mind if I prayed for you? She goes, no, I'd love it. Could you? So we just reached over, Nicole and I, we prayed for, you know, it's, it, it's not difficult. But do you know how many people are not willing to step out that far? You know, I, well, I, they, have, they have trouble praying over their meal. Well, I just, you know, I don't want anybody to be offended. So it doesn't bother you that God, you're offending God. You're worried about offending a few people. That you'll never see again. You don't know. Man. Winston Churchill said this. I loved it. He said, I no longer listen to what people say. I just watch what they do. Because behavior never lies. Let me tell you. Our behavior is speaking much more louder than our words. 
You can talk, 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 but how many of you know some, at some point you have to put up, right? I won't finish the rest of that statement. So I need a volunteer. Honey, thank you for volunteering. I'm going to ask you to step right up here. I'm going to have you come center stage for me. She is used to this. Now, now right up here, center stage. I'm going to have you get right here, center stage. Okay. You didn't see that, did you? Okay. Huh? All right. Back up just a little bit. I want you to be right in the center of the platform there. Okay. Now, we're going to do something a little different here, and I want the audience to participate. We're going to play a little game of charades here. Now, believe it or not, one of the first times I saw Nicole, she was in, can I tell this? She was in a mall window. She was a mannequin. So do a mannequin pose for me. (laughs) Have I sufficiently embarrassed you? I'll pay for this later, but it's okay. But for now, it's fun. So... All right, so she was doing, so I tried to get you to laugh, and I tried to joke around. The only person that could get her laugh was her dad, but that was one of the first times I saw her, and I went, oh, man. Anyway, so I won't go there, but because we're playing charades, right? So, honey, you can strike the pose. You're done. So, thank you. I just wanted to see if you had a pose. Now, I'm going to give you a word, and what you're going to do is you're going to act it out, and what I'm going to ask the rest of you to do is I'm going to ask you to guess what she is acting out, Okay? So I'm going to show you the word, and then, all right, very good, all right, all right, here's the next one. He got it, it was Spoon, very good job. You guys are smart, ready for that? Oh, I thought I could get you with that one, but no. No, one bug. Okay, do you want me to help with this one? Because I don't think you want me to. I can only think of one way. Okay, I won't do that. Come on. There you go. Okay. Last one. He got it. Giggle. Give him the call a hand. So here's my, here's my point. Here's why we even played that is if it looks like a duck, flies like a duck, quacks like a duck, swims like a duck, what is it? It's a duck. Why? Because it looks like a duck. It swims like. Let me tell you, your life is the same way. If, how can we effectively reach the world if we look just like them? Well, you know, Phil, I just... I have, to, I have to do what, I'm doing this new thing. What was that lady that said that she was doing this new thing, immerse, immersing, immersion. And she was going down, she had invited us to go down to, uh, to the rough parts of, at the time we were living in Louisville, Kentucky, down to where the homeless were, and immerse ourselves, meaning, meaning stay with them for a certain amount of time, certain amount of days, so that, we could, so that we could experience what they're experiencing, so we could find a way to help them. And I thought, you know, I mean, if we look like a poor person, act like a poor, how can I help a poor person? I can help a poor person by helping them come out of poverty. Introducing them to Jesus, helping them financially, helping them with a job, you know what I mean? Those that want to come out of it. All right, so now 
a hypocrite. Let me give you the definition of a hypocrite because really that play actors use this word hypocrite to describe somebody that acts like one character one moment and the next moment they're like somebody else. They're acting like a, a completely different character. So it's Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Okay? That's, that's what a hypocrite is. So, that's a, so can I put it in terms of church? Where we know how to act in church. Be nice to people, love people, honor people here. But then something happens when people leave the church building. Get out into the workforce. All of a sudden, they're rubbing shoulders. You guys got that. I don't need to go any further on that, right? <clears throat> so here's my question to you. And I just asked it a moment ago. But again, how can you witness to, some, to the, someone in the world if you're just like them? Right? If our behavior is contrary to what we say, we'll be considered a hypocrite. St. Francis said this. He said, preach, and when necessary, use words. Wow. So I want to submit to you the first place that your witness is shown is in your example. So what kind of example are you being? What kind of example are you being? Let me tell you this. The power to live the way that we should comes from the Holy Spirit. Some people say, but Phil, you don't understand. I have this addiction. I have this habit. I have this uh, hang-up that I just, I, I can't get rid of. <clears throat> well, the Holy Spirit can help you get rid of that. Do you want to be free? I've noticed in my own life, I've been able to get free from the things that I wanted to be free from. Sometimes I didn't want to be free. Sometimes I enjoyed things. And I thought, man, Lord, I just want to, I want to get away from this habit. I want to get away from this addiction. I don't want to do this anymore. And all the time my flesh is going, but I enjoy this. My flesh likes this. But the Holy Spirit is what's, what gives us the power to be able to break those things in our life and get away from it. Amen. So, again, there's more, right? So he enables you to live a life of victory. I just want to give you a couple more scriptures and then, and then we're going to wrap up. Because the Holy Spirit is your helper. In John 14, 26, it says that the Holy Spirit, the helper, he'll teach you all things. He'll teach you all things. I know this may seem like a huge revelation to some people, and it, and it definitely was to me. But I needed it, and it's so simple. The Holy Spirit is smarter than you. He is. He knows everything about everything. So why wouldn't we want him in our life? Why wouldn't we want him to fill our life so that we could be filled with his help, his anointing? The Holy Spirit's your conviction. You know, I heard somebody mention earlier getting frustrated with somebody on the way here. You know, somebody cuts you off in traffic or that kind of thing. You know, those annoying people you get aggravated with, that may be the Holy Spirit convicting your heart that you need to work on your attitude. You don't understand. They make me mad. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. But that may be the Holy Spirit showing you that you need to work on your attitude. The Holy Spirit, he'll help you produce fruit. This is the type of fruit that comes in that, that the Holy Spirit produces in our life. In, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is the kind of fruit that the Holy Spirit produces. But let me encourage you in something. 
That kind of fruit will not be produced if you don't give yourself entirely to the Holy Spirit. Now, in my hand is a glove here. And let's just say that this glove is you. So, it's not doing anything. It's not moving. It's not wiggling its fingers. But my hand represents the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes in to our life and fills every part of the glove, then all of a sudden, man, we're able, we're able to do what we couldn't do before. All of a sudden, His super comes on our natural. And it enables us to live the kind of life that He's called us to live. We don't have to be bound to addiction anymore. We can be free. We don't have to live in sin anymore. We can be sinless. We can die to sin and live to God. But let's say that you give yourself over to the Holy Spirit. But you say, you know, Holy Spirit, I'm going to give myself to you. But I'm, gonna hang, I'm, I'm hanging on to this, man. I'm hanging on to this stuff in my life. I don't want to get rid of it. And then the Holy Spirit, you invite him in, and he's going... Uh, I can't get up in those, those fingers, so I can't, I can't grasp what you need me to grasp. I can't help you in these areas because this stuff's in the way. It's preventing me from being able to fill every nook and cranny of your life with my presence. I want to, but you've got stuff in the way. You've come into this relationship with a premarital agreement. You've hung on to this junk, and you've carried it into the relationship, and it's in the house now. You've got this old, dirty ugly furniture that you've brought into the house and I, I offered to buy you all new stuff. But you want to hold on to this stuff and as long as you hold on to this stuff it's preventing you. Preventing the Holy Spirit from being able to work in your life the way He needs to work. Well, how does that happen, Pastor Phil? Well, I, I almost did another uh, example with water but I, I felt like I didn't, I didn't want to do it over the carpet, but let's just pretend, okay? Use our imagination. So let's pretend I have a large glass, and this glass is full of water. Now the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit does in, in our lives is He doesn't empty out. I mean, if I was going to get rid of that water, I could just dump it out, right? But then what's the problem? It's empty. Because you don't want an empty house. The Bible says that when, you know, the, when the devil was cast out, the house was swept clean, and then it remained empty. And so the devil comes back, and he sees, oh, the house is all cleaned up. How nice they are for, us, for them to clean up the house for us. And he brings seven spirits that are worse than himself, and the condition of that man is worse. No, what the Holy Spirit wants to do is with that glass of water, he wants to take, let's pretend you take, I take my fist, and I shove it down in that glass what happens it pushes that water out he wants to displace the things in your life and fill you up to the point that nothing else can get in man you say well Pastor Phil this Holy Spirit thing makes me a little nervous are you telling me that you speak in tongues are you telling me that you pray in tongues yeah, yeah, I do. I do, but if you'll notice, I haven't been speaking to you in tongues today. Why? Because it's a prayer language that connects me directly.
to God. The Bible says that when I, when I speak in tongues, I'm speaking directly to God. Man, can you imagine? Man, you're bypassing the CIA, you're bypassing all, the, all those security guards, and you're going right to the president's office. Man, there's nothing. And you say, well, Phil, that just seems odd to me. Well, it's scriptural. We read it. Why would God do it for the disciples? Why would he do it in Toronto? Why would he do it in Topeka, Kansas? Why would he do it in all these other places, in Brownsville and, and Azusa Street in L.A.? Why would he do it in those places and, and not make it available to you? Well, the point is, is it is available to you. But it's a choice. It's a choice. I encourage you because you need power. The only way that you'll live a life of victory is if you have power on the inside of you. And that comes through the Holy Spirit. This is a separate event than being saved and water baptism. This is what Jesus was talking about when he said, listen, guys, you want me to go away. You want me to leave because if I leave, the Holy Spirit will come and he will live on the inside of you. Thanks so much for listening. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Vision Church, vision for life.